Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This DeSantis reset might be DeSantis's last chance. But maybe the last chance comes with a debate. Maybe DeSantis's problems are real and legitimate. Maybe he doesn't connect. Maybe he's got a problem with suburban women. Maybe he's just cold and calculating and robotic and nobody wants to take him home to bed. Um, but I figured I was on a roll. I'd just keep going with it. And maybe all that goes away if Trump doesn't show up to a debate. Because one has to at least argue that it's possible that not showing up to a debate can backfire. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Would love to talk to you. Do not be afraid. Call in. Let us chat it up. First, this isn't a question of whether you like DeSantis or don't like DeSantis. That part is totally inconsequential. What matters here is that this campaign has had a failure to launch. That's fact. That's just the way it is. This campaign has had a massive failure to launch. All the money, all the momentum, all the story, all the successes in Florida... And, yeah, you didn't do much with it. Now, is that over? No, God. There's a tremendous amount of time left. But if you're going to engage a a reboot of a campaign, now is the time to do it. Now you have to jockey for position. Because what you're really jockeying for more than position is your story. If you are to delay... By this stage of the game, you miss out on painting somebody else to make it harder for them to break out, and you have a harder time defending against being painted. Does Ron DeSantis want to get labeled as a failure, as incapable, as uh, unable to put together a campaign to generate any interest before it all starts? Oh my gosh, Trump was right. He should go back to Florida. You don't want that. So now is a good time to engage a campaign shuffle. One of the places that the campaign shuffle took place was with an aide by the name of Nate Hockman, who I swear to you, that name hits me as something like I think I know. I don't know why I think I know the name. It could be a hundred people uh, just uh, like him. Nate Hockman, a speechwriter, posted a video from a pro-DeSantis account, uh, whether it was on Twitter, wherever it was, that featured what's known as a sonorad, a sonorad. Took me a second. To figure out what a sonnenrad is. Um, it's a symbol 
that was utilized by the Nazis. So it wasn't a swastika, it was a sun wheel. If you saw it, you'd be like, oh, that's what that is. It's the kind of thing where you've probably seen it in a book or in some level of imagery that someone put out before, but you didn't know that it had a name. And you're like, oh, oh, is that what that is? Huh, what do you know? It's one of those. Guys, 25 created the video, wouldn't comment on it to a BBC. He is uh, out uh, and a, a campaign official says Nate Hockman is no longer with the campaign and we will not be commenting on him further. Why this matters. This matters not so much about Ron DeSantis, although if a guy is posting uh, Nazi imagery, uh, you're going to lose. <laughs> it just It just does not fly. It gets used against you. But rather, this goes to the idea, and oh, am I going to get yelled at by the, the whole Gen Z world? 25-year-olds should not be having positions of power on presidential campaigns. Breathe, everybody. When you're in D.C. and you're in the halls of Congress, you walk into a congressional office, you know what you will see? 22-year-olds. They're everywhere. Congress, the House of Representatives specifically, is run by 22 to 26-year-olds. They can't fill out a suit. But they're running things. They're staffing members of Congress. You see a much older set in the Senate. It's usually because people spend time in the House before moving over to the Senate, and they have the people they like, and they've gone with them, and then they graduate over, and and if you will, and and so therefore you usually have an older set, of, uh, a more uh, seasoned set of people. It's weird. And if you ever see it, if you ever go and, and visit your member of Congress, you'll be like, my gosh, what the heck is happening here? This is insane. This is no way to run a country. It is absolutely no way to run a campaign. Do young people matter to a campaign? Absolutely. Does a ground game matter to a campaign? You bet. But when you take people who have no life experience and when you take people who have no connection to other things and how they may be responded to, who believe that when their friends say, oh, that's so cool, that it actually is cool, you get bad moments. Now, of course, there, there is no uh, hard and fast rule for every 25-year-old. But certainly there is for enough 25-year-olds. And it would be a lie to say otherwise. There is such a thing as too young. Just like there is such a thing as too old. You may have seen yesterday that Mitch McConnell, the leader, the minority leader in the Senate, took to the podium yesterday to make a statement, as he often does with the Senate. John Thune behind him, uh, Barrasso of Wyoming, a couple other senators. It went like this. If I could play it, I'd be super dangerous. 
He gets up to the podium, and he's uh, he's talking, right? He's he's chatting, and the next thing you know, he just he just goes silent. He just stops talking. He stops talking, and he is just staring. His lips are together. He is just looking out. He's not even blinking. He's kind of rocking back and forth. You know, at one moment, maybe you thought he was trying to get his, get his thought together. And then you realize he's just in a stop. When other senators come up to him, he's acting like he's paying attention. And he is able to walk off, but he walks off with assistance. Now, when you're talking about Mitch McConnell and assistance, this is a man who had polio, and so he sometimes needs a little bit of help. But it's also important to note that he's 81 years old. And he's too old to do this anymore. It's not enough to be good at 81. Oh, he's, he's very young for 81. No, he's 81. And if we're going to say it about Mitch McConnell, we're going to say it about Dianne Feinstein, and we're going to say it about President Biden, there comes a moment of too old. There is a moment on a campaign of too young, and I'm glad that Ron DeSantis is learning that lesson. There is such a thing as too old. We have to be honest about these things. Mitch McConnell needs to be replaced in leadership, and it has to happen now, because that's the responsible thing to do. And then Mitch McConnell needs to be replaced in the Senate, just like Dianne Feinstein and just like John Fetterman, but for much different reasons. The weather people will be talking about it. I'm Tony Katz. It's hot, my people. I mean, even in a world of hot, it's hot. These temperatures across the country are averaging in the 90s. And for us in the Midwest, the next few days are going to bring some intense temperatures. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always great to be here. Mike Ryan joins us with the National Weather Service. And uh, I'll leave the, the politics of this out, and let's get into where we're at. Talk to me about the temperatures, whether it's in my beloved Indiana or throughout the Midwest, and what is driving this high heat across the country? Well, Tony, it. Basically, we've had the high heat down in the southwest, and you know Phoenix has been above 110 for so many days. It's been hot in Texas, and there's been a dome of, of high pressure in the upper levels of the atmosphere. And the reason we haven't seen any of that heat really at all here in the eastern Midwest is that we've been sitting on the edge of that heat dome. And so we've been getting the disturbances that ride around it. We've been getting the periodic thunderstorms. We had the good thunderstorms a couple of days ago. And what's happening here over the next couple of days is for the first time this summer, that heat dome is going to shift east just a little bit and get us into the hotter temperatures. And that's why we're expecting uh, these very hot, humid conditions really through Saturday or so. And then we'll start to fall back to, to what we've been experiencing throughout the summer. So it, it's, it's not lost on me, you know, a guy who grew up in New Jersey. 90 degree days, 
uh, happened. When I say 90, I'm talking about in the 90s. I'm a guy who went to Arizona State University. Temperatures over 100 degrees happened often during the, the summer and into September. This wasn't odd or new. Is there something here that is new that as Americans or in certain areas we should be paying extra special attention to? Not not necessarily, Tony. I mean, this is pretty typical for us to to get these few days where we can get up into the mid-90s, maybe even upper 90s every summer. You know, many of your listeners will probably remember 11 years ago we had that hot summer in 2012 when we jumped over 90 degrees here in Indianapolis 51 times. Now that's more abnormal, but it's pretty common for us to see 90 degrees or, or warmer 20 days throughout the summer. So far this year, we've only done it six times, and it's because it's been a cooler summer. June was cooler and drier, and because of, of the, the storms moving through the areas more frequently here the last few weeks, we've been cooler as well. And so there really isn't anything new here. It's a typical summer pattern, but because we haven't had this level of heat yet this year, that's one reason we've put out the heat advisories, because we're anticipating heat indices to peak today, tomorrow, Saturday. 105, maybe a little bit higher, and folks just aren't used to that this year because we haven't, we haven't been that warm. Talking to Mike Ryan of the National Weather Service, and that sometimes this is uh, about being comparative, and it has been, for the most part, a rather uh, lovely summer. That's true of the Midwest. Is that true of the entire country? Have, are, are the heat levels that we're seeing just really exacerbated in the Midwest? Or are there issues? You mentioned the Southwest. Are there other parts of the country where it is, by a market difference, hotter than it usually is? I don't know if necessarily by a market difference, but you know, typically you see some of the hottest weather in the summer occurring in the Southwest U.S., that's where they're typically not seeing a lot of rainfall. They sit underneath that heat dome we talked about, and it gets up above 100, 105 in Las Vegas and Phoenix and other locations out there. Now, that being said, they have been above 110 a little bit more frequently than normal this year. And that may be just due to the effect that that, that heat dome has remained so stagnant in that area. Another interesting place is down in Florida. Now, as you guys know, in Florida, it's very warm, very humid uh, in the summertime down there. But they've been issuing heat advisories because the temperatures are a little bit warmer with the same level of humidity down there in, say, Miami, Key West, other, other areas in Florida. And so it's been hotter than normal in those areas. And the water temperatures have been a little warmer down there as well. So, again, it's not, it's not way out of whack or anything like that, but... Uh, there are some areas where where the temperatures are running hotter across the country than they usually do. So now what what comes from this? We are in two days of this, three days of this, four days of this. What is it that's going to bring some level of relief? Because when I take a look a a week out, whether I'm talking about where I live, central Indiana, or I'm looking at uh, some of the Midwest, by next Thursday, right, uh, basically a, a week from now, we go back into this kind of cycle, at least for a day. How are we getting out of this? What's changing out there? And then what's go- is it expected to come back for any level of strength or, or period of time? Well, right now, Tony, focused on these next three days, today, tomorrow in particular, and then Saturday are going to be the three hottest days. I think we could see temperatures up into the mid-90s tomorrow. Uh, some areas 
especially west of Indianapolis, may be warmer out in the Wabash Valley. And Saturday will be warm as well. But then after that, that heat dome is going to retreat back to the west a little bit, and we'll get back into the periphery of the ridge, if you will, which will allow for more complexes of thunderstorms like we've been seeing to move down into the area. The other thing that will do is it'll keep temperatures lower and more typical of what we would expect in late July and early August. So I'm talking mid-upper 80s, maybe around 90. Now, as you mentioned, it does appear that we may see that return, that warmer uh, air return, but it's going to be brief. Uh, And that's that's the main thing that we've seen so far this summer. When we've had these warmer temperatures, they don't linger here. It's been focused more. You get west of the Mississippi River, out into the plains, and then down into Texas and the southwest where the really hot temperatures have been. So really these high, these high heat indices, 105 and greater, are going to be focused during the, the mid and late afternoons over the next couple of days, and then we'll see that drop back. Now... As, as you know, there are people who will uh, apply whatever political desire they have to this. I don't ask a guy from the National Weather Service to engage political uh, uh, opinion. I, I think that's a rude thing to do. But rather, I, I ask for a data-driven conversation. Mm-hmm. As far as temperatures go, this the hottest stuff on record? Or is this pretty, you've already mentioned that it's been a cooler summer. Is this pretty standard if we take a look at the last 30 years? We've seen this before. Yes, we have seen it before. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you go back to 2012, and that was uh, an absurdly hot summer here in central Indiana. It was actually the hottest summer that we've had uh, in many, many years, and we haven't had anything close to that since then. Uh, there are a lot of different things that, that are driving places that are warmer versus places that are cooler, you know, how, how the winds are flowing in the upper levels of the atmosphere. And as I mentioned earlier, the reason we've actually been a little cooler than normal here in central Indiana is because we have not had that ridge of high pressure that always shows up in the summertime to our southwest and usually spends a little bit of time out here in the Ohio Valley and the eastern Midwest. It just hasn't to any degree of, uh, of you know, intensity for extended periods of time. And that's the reason we've been cooler. So ultimately, yeah, I think it's been a fairly typical summer in that regard. Maybe the thing that was was oddest was, you know, all the hazy days we had from the Canadian wildfires earlier this summer, which led to a lot of dry air in June. And that's why it was so dry. And, And thankfully, now we're starting to get, you know, the last four weeks or so, we've been wetter. So yards are responding, the corn crop is responding. And, uh, and, and, it's been a little bit more typical, at least from a precipitation standpoint. Uh, corn matters, baby. Let, let, <laughs> us, let us not just gloss over the fact that the corn crop is is coming back. Corn matters. Uh, Mike Ryan, National Weather Service, I do appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us, kind of break down what's been happening. Thank you so very much. Uh, it is always, to me, madness that people want to take, well, near anything, and make it this this horrifically political statement. I found it to be uh, out of out of a, a realm of acceptability that people would take COVID and this thing that we were supposed to be fighting and dealing with and figuring out. Nope, let's figure out how we can use it as a uh, a weapon against each other, a cudgel against each other, a sword against each other. How can I beat my political enemy with it? I want to know what's going on. I want data. And the data is true about two things. It has been a cooler summer. And heat happens. Be safe. Check in on your neighbor. 
Be hydrated. Stay cool. These are the things. Rational things. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. My name is Chloe Cole, and I am a detransitioner. Another way to put that would be, I used to believe that I was born in the wrong body. And the adults in my life, whom I trusted, affirmed my belief. And this caused me lifelong, irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. I speak to you in the hope that you will have the courage to bring the scandal to an end and ensure that other vulnerable teenagers, children, and young adults don't go through what I went through. That started the testimony of Chloe Cole. That was part of the day that took place in Congress where grown men and women decided to lecture us with lies. So let's start by setting the record straight. Gender-affirming care is safe and effective. No, it is not, Representative Scanlon. That's a lie. I'm calling you a liar. Sue me. Let's have the fight. Let the data come forth. Safe and effective. Effective towards what end? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. I am at least appreciative that there are hearings on the subject because it is important. Safe and effective Effective in doing what? What is effective about telling children, oh yeah, take this pill, oh yeah, have this surgery, then you'll be normal? What is effective about taking somebody who has a mental disorder, as proven by the DSM-5 or as as, as uh, engaged by the DSM-5, the manual that discusses mental disorders used by the Psychiatric Association, and then indulging that disorder? What is effective about such a thing? Despicable, disgusting, nonsensical, sick, twisted is Representative Scanlon and anyone who agrees with her. As I said, sue me. I've come for the fight. I will not be quiet and neither should you be. Parents, you should not be. Grandparents and cousins And brothers and sisters, you should not be. Notice, I'm not discussing being mean, nor am I discussing being hateful towards kids who may feel a certain way and are being pressured a certain way. Man, I don't put any anger towards them at all. Towards the adults that want to do this to them, you better believe I've got four-letter, five-letter, six-letter, and seven-letter words for them. I got some words I'm trying to invent, but my Scrabble board's been off a little lately, and I don't quite have it down. Safe and effective is one of the more sick and twisted things I have heard in a good long time. Now, one of the things that you never hear about are the people 
who detransition. They realize what they've done to themselves. And in many cases, they realize what's been done to them. And they say, my gosh, how do I fix this? The horror story? Very rarely can you. You will see person after person, doctor after doctor, professional after professional, people on TikTok who will tell you that, my gosh, these puberty blockers are safe and effective. Oh, and totally reversible. Bullcrap. They're not totally reversible. What could possibly be reversible about delaying puberty, which would be denied puberty, which would not allow the bones to grow properly, which would not allow structures of the body to formulate properly? What exactly is reversible about this? The answer, of course, is nothing. It's not reversible. It will do permanent and lifelong damage. You want to pretend otherwise? What kind of twisted mutilation hellscape do you actually want to live in? Prisha Mosley is a 25-year-old woman. As described in the story from MRC, abused as a child. And in, in, in her words, manipulated into transitioning to a man by trusted medical professionals. This girl was raped when she was 14 and became pregnant. This is horrific. Lost the baby. Engaged uh, depression. Was hospitalized for depression and self-harm. This according to a story from Catholic Vote. Was diagnosed with a major depressive disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and an eating disorder. As this woman has confessed in an op-ed, stated in an op-ed. As she says it, quote, they told me that changing my body to look like a boy's body would cure my mental health problems. They told me that injecting large amounts of testosterone into my female body would be good for me. They also encouraged me to undergo surgery to remove my healthy breasts. Now... One can argue, hey, there are two sides to every story, and, and what would the doctor say? But in how many ways have we already seen these stories? About not only pushing children towards this, but ensuring that they keep it very, very quiet. Oh, we don't want to let your parents know. As a matter of fact, we don't have to let your parents know. Wait, your parents want to know? Well, parents can't be trusted. Parents are the problem. You know, when kids come out, parents don't accept it. We hear this all the time. One of the most disgusting and awful things said. Kids can't let their parents know what's happening. Parents won't accept it. But some stranger will. Some stranger is not only willing to accept it, they want to welcome it. Not only do they want to welcome it, they want to encourage it. And that, kids, is where the term groomer comes from. I did not invent it, and I don't even like it. But I sure as hell can't stop it. I can, however, notice when the moniker fits.
course children are manipulated. You know uh, who else is, is, is manipulated? Children with autism. Go take a look at the numbers of the numbers of children who have autism and fall into these categories because they're easier to manipulate for their own emotional issues. Safe and effective, says Representative Scanlon. How disgusting and immoral. Let's go back to Chloe Cole, who speaks in front of this panel. Now, I would tell you, uh, Jason, Jason is running the board today. Um, Jason, you want to have your finger on the dump button because I did not get to hear the totality of her uh, statement, but things might get graphic in a way that don't work for radio. So just be prepared. For you. I was well into an early puberty and I was very uncomfortable with the changes that were happening to my body. I was, intimida- I was intimidated by male attention. And when I told my parents that I felt like a boy, in retrospect, all I meant was that I hated puberty, that I wanted this newfound sexual attention to go away that I looked up to my brothers a little bit more than I did to my sisters. I came out as transgender in a letter I sent on the dining room table. My parents were immediately concerned. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals, but this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken taken to see told my parents that I needed to be put on puberty blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? That is the kind of mental abuse the parents are under. We see these things happening and we say, how could parents allow this? Now, some parents welcome this because, well, they've got their own issues. Some parents are just trying to hold on to their children for dear life. They know that if they don't in some ways go along, they're going to lose their kids. States that have passed legislation that take the kids away. They're trying to hold on. I am beyond uh, thankful that I have none of these issues with my children. But I find when I think about these things, I find myself horrified to the idea of what a parent goes through in order to just somehow stay connected. Somehow stay with their kid. It's a horrific thought. Doctors telling them, well, if you don't do this, the kid's going to kill themselves. And professionals saying, well, if you don't do this, the kid's going to kill themselves. This gets said a lot. This gets said by so-called professionals where where I live in in Indianapolis and maybe where you live. Professionals that should damn well be ashamed of who they are. Professionals who should be run out of town. Trying to scare parents, manipulate parents, coerce parents, threaten parents so they can get access to the kid. Again, the moniker groomer fits. I didn't start it. I didn't come up with it. I don't necessarily like it, but I can't stop it. I will, however, notice that every now and then, chef's kiss, it fits perfect. Chloe Cole. The choice was enough for my parents to let their guard down. And in retrospect, I can't blame them. 
This was the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender-affirming care. I was fast-tracked onto puberty blockers and then testosterone. The resulting menopausal-like hot flashes made focusing on school impossible. I still get joint pains and weird pops in my back, but they were far worse when I was on the blockers. A month later, when I was 13, I had my first testosterone injection. This caused permanent changes to my body. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure um, permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. But of course, puberty blockers are totally safe and gender affirming and completely reversible. Grown men and women, so-called experts, say this to children and their parents. My God, we don't have enough prison cells. I look in the mirror sometimes and I feel like a monster. I had a double mastectomy at 15. They tested my amputated breast for cancer. And I was cancer free, of course. I was perfectly healthy. There was nothing wrong with my still developing body or my breasts. Other than that, as an insecure teenage girl, I felt awkward about it. After my breasts were taken away from me, the tissue was incinerated. Before I was able to legally drive, I had, part, I had a huge part of my future womanhood taken from me. I will never be able to breastfeed. I struggle to look at myself in the mirror at times. I, I, still, I still struggle to this day with sexual dysfunction. And I have massive scars across my chest. And the skin grafts that they use, that they took of my nipples, are weeping fluid today. And they were grafted into a more masculine positioning, they said. I told you it was going to get rough. You are not wrong for standing up against these radically sick, twisted people who want to tell children they have to be mutilated in order to be loved. You are never, ever ever wrong in standing up to these so-called professionals who want to tell you that there are enormous benefits to quote-unquote gender-affirming care. What are the benefits of receiving gender-affirming care? They're enormous. They, they produce positive mental health outcomes for these young people. They dramatically improve, improve their quality of life. They do better in school. They develop positive social relationships. We heard that with Ms. Reynolds' testimony. Their relationships with their family improves. And their gender dysphoria is alleviated. And any depression, anxiety, suicidality is dramatically reduced. Uh, there's a, a study from 2022 that found a 73% reduction in suicidality among kids who had received this treatment. This is what we're up against. Now, I can show you data, studies, that would tell you that the constant conversation about being suicidal is not the reality of, in terms of changing gender and ending those kinds of mental issues. I can happily share this with you. But we are going to sit there 
and tell ourselves that somehow this is rational. That people are going to sit here and say, see, this is good. This is not good. You are right to fight it. You are right to say children cannot make this decision. Children is what we are discussing here. They must be protected more often than not from themselves. You are right. They are the people who push us on children. You can call them monsters. You can just call them wrong. You can call them misinformed. The only thing you can't do is stay silent. I'm Tony Katz. I gotta start paying attention to the clock when I talk. I must drive the affiliates crazy. I run late, I stop her. I'm like, I'm just on my own kind of thing. I gotta watch a clock. So I apologize. I got better at that. See? So look at that. I'm in, I'm out. What is that, stripes? It's like Wisconsin. We're in, we're out. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.